Culture Life on Catholic Spirit Radio. I'm your host, Royce Hood. This is a super cool episode because I am actually recording and producing this episode on the solemnity of the Sacred Heart. And for those that don't know, I imagine most of the listeners on this program know about devotion to the Sacred Heart, but the history of it is just so cool. I actually published a little devotional study guide about um, devotion to the Sacred Heart, and you can download that for free at sacredheart.info. Just to give you a little snippet, the devotion to the Sacred Heart was officially approved by Pope Clement XIII in the year 1775. From there, Pope Pius VI issued a decree approving devotion to the Sacred Heart of Jesus and granting indulgences for those who practice it. And that happened in the year 1794. And then fast forward all the way to the year 1899, Pope Leo XIII solemnly consecrated all mankind to the sacred heart of Jesus. And so Jesus appeared to uh, Sister Margaret Mary and asked her to help promote devotion to his sacred heart. Jesus told Sister Margaret Mary, I set neither limit nor measure to my gifts of grace for those who seek them in my heart. Along with that, Jesus gave Sister Margaret Mary 12 promises for anyone who practices true devotion to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. And I'll read those 12 promises here. I'll give them all the graces necessary in their state of life. I will give them peace with their families and will unite families that are divided. I will counsel them in their troubles. I will be their refuge during life and above all in death. I will bestow the blessings of heaven on all of their enterprises. Sinners shall find my heart the source of infinite ocean of mercy. Tepid souls shall become fervent. Fervent souls shall quickly rise to great perfection. And I will bless those places where the image of my heart shall be exposed and honored. I will imprint my love on the hearts of those who would wear this image on their person. And I will destroy in them all disordered movements. I will give to priests animated by a tender devotion to my divine heart, the gift of touching the most hardened of hearts. Those who promote this devotion shall have their names written in my heart, never to be erased. And the greatest promise, I promise you in the excessive mercy of my heart that all my powerful love will grant to all those who communicate, receive Holy Communion on the first Friday in nine consecutive months, the grace of final penance, They will not die in my disgrace, nor without receiving the sacraments. My divine heart shall be their safe refuge in this last moment. So that's why the first Friday of the month is so special in the church, particularly if you're trying to build or or, uh, increase your devotion to the sacred heart. So without further ado, again, you're listening to Truth Culture Life. Father Orsi actually needs some prayers. So if you could, keep him in your prayers. Nothing huge, but he's having an MRI today, which is why he's not on the show. He's had a lot of sciatic nerve recently, so we want to keep him in our our prayers so that next time he's with us, he's he's in a great mood and he's feeling well. And uh, so, okay, so for this episode, we're going to be bringing you a few different segments. Last week, we were unable to produce a show because of the filming schedule and some technical challenges. Um, As many of you know, uh, I am working on an incredible documentary and really it's it's probably going to turn into a much bigger uh production it's i mean it's it's a movie about 
the life and the discovery of Sister Wilhelmina and her, her incorruptibility and so much more. The story is just taking a life of its own and it's going to be truly, truly incredible. But for today, we've got several interviews that you're going to be hearing. We are joined by President Steve Menes of Benedictine College. We're also going to be joined by author uh, Gil Bailey, who has a new book all about sort of the cultural war that we are facing. And finally, I will share a clip from um, some of the audio of the movie that we are uh, in production on right now for uh, Incorruptible is the name of the movie. So without further ado, I'm going to leave you with a little clip of Sacred Heart is the Boat, since it is um, the solemnity of the Sacred Heart. And we'll be right back with our first interview. was a little clip from one of my songs, which is called Sacred Heart is the Boat. And you can download that song for free as well as um, download the free devotional at sacredheart.info. Finally, if you go to my YouTube page, YouTube forward slash Royce Hood, you can watch the music video for Sacred Heart is the Boat as well. All right. So again, you're listening to Truth Culture Life on Catholic Spirit Radio. Next is a interview with the president of Benedictine College, Steve Menace. I met Steve a couple of weeks ago when I was in Gower, Missouri on my initial filming trip um, for the Sister Wilhelmina project. Now, um, so this interview is about two weeks old. We haven't aired it yet. And you will hear Father Orsi was with us as well. And he's talking about his sciatic nerve a little bit. So he's not here today. He's actually uh, probably already had the MRI by this point, but keep him in your prayers. Without further ado, here's the first part of our interview. Father Michael Orsi from Naples, Florida. Well, let me put it to this. I could be better, okay? You know, um, our next, uh, so Father was complaining about his sciatica last week and for Sister Wilhelmina's uh, intercession. We got to keep doing that. But in the event it doesn't get better, our next guest, I think at some point they, they may even have a medical school uh, in the works. So I don't know that that's going to help you with your sciatic nerve today, Father, but it might be something in the future. Uh, well, there's, yeah. there's this uh, doctor that I know. His name is Mabogo, and he has a big bone in his nose. So he might be able to do something for me. Okay. I don't, I don't know who that is, but good. We, any relief you can get, I guess. And let's welcome our, our guest. Uh, we are very excited to welcome... Uh, Stephen Menes, president of Benedictine College. 
uh, in Kansas. Uh, President Menes, how are you doing today? And thank you so much for joining us. Well, doing great. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited about this. Yeah. So um, you and I, just to give our listeners some context, we sort of bumped into each other by accident at in Gower. Um, and just to put it in perspective, and I think I mentioned this on the show last week because it was so cool. I was on my way to Gower. The sisters had given me permission to do a documentary and my, my drone operator did not show up. I, he couldn't come. So I said a little prayer. I was like, Lord, if it's your will, we will find a drone. And as soon as I get there, uh, Sister Misericordia introduced me to you. And your words were, is there anything Benedictine can do to help? And I said, well, I need a drone. And he said, we'll have, <laughs> one, here. We'll have one here tomorrow. <laughs> Holy, Holy Spirit action plan. That's, that's how yeah. I... This, Go ahead. Is, this is better than the Pentagon. You know, they, you got <laughs> drone like that. Oh, he did. He snapped, his, he snapped his fingers and the sisters needed audio. They needed help with chairs and tents. Benedictine College brought out water. I mean, look, this cloister community went from, you know, a few people a day to <laughs> dozens, to hundreds, to thousands. And uh, so, Stephen, without further ado, I'll turn it over to you. But it was such great meeting you. And again, thank you for all your help uh, that day and that week. Oh, gosh, what, what an amazing experience it was, too, you know, at a time where uh, awards are given to uh, people who dress up like nuns and blaspheme the church. Uh, you actually had a real nun who wears a real habit, uh, who was incorrupt and um, and gives everyone hope. It's an incredible story, actually, you know. It really, I really was. And uh, yeah, you provided a, a brief interview as well, which we've got. I was actually editing this this last week, so I'll be sure to share that with you at some point. But it, it truly was amazing. And by now, uh, pretty much all of our listeners, I'm sure, have heard of Sister Wilhelmina. I mean, it's it's funny. Every I was joking with somebody the other day. Everybody and their uncle was posting a video on YouTube now. Um, and there's just hundreds and dozens and uh, of these videos and accounts and different things. Uh, my understanding from uh, from a pillar article is that the sisters are reporting there's been some uh, reported miracles and different things. So who knows where this is going to oh, go? Wow. But yeah. it's uh, definitely a, a amazingly inspiring story. Well, if if nothing else happens, the fact that you had people from around the country coming to see and and to be evangelized in and of itself is a miracle. I think. I agree. In the middle, literally in the middle of nowhere. I mean, Gower, Missouri, just smack dab in the middle of a cornfield, basically. Right. It's incredible. It, it really was. To me is um, we're really in a time of darkness in this country and in the world. Dr. Minnis just talked about the blasphemous uh, nuns at Dodger Stadium. There's so many other things that are just the signs of the evil one being present. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, comes this, uh, yeah. it, it's miraculous, uh, Sister Wilhelmina. And all of a sudden, yeah, say, God is with his people. There is light. That's right. That's that's right. Gospel. No, that's well said. Yeah, with, uh, with all the chaos and confusion, I think we need, we need little, little uh, hits like this to, to remind people of what awaits. And, and uh, so it's absolutely beautiful. So let's do this. I wanted to talk to you about Benedictine College. I just okay. had a niece graduate uh, from there this, this, just this past year. Um, and I was looking a bit uh -huh. at your, your bio. So first of all, I didn't realize you actually graduated Benedictine back in 1982. Yeah, so I have my my path is weird uh, to the to a college presidency. I graduate 
There I went to Washburn Law School in Topeka. Uh, I, I was in a prosecutor for a while as an assistant DA in, in Johnson County, Kansas. Then I, for about 14 years, I worked for a major corporation, uh, did regulatory work and litigation for them. And uh, the last 12 of those 14, I was actually on the board of directors of the college, okay, as an alum. And, and so my predecessor left to take another president's job. I went to the chair and I told him, I said, I don't have any experience for this job. You guys would be idiots to hire me. <laughs> and they did. And that was, uh, <laughs> um, that was 18 years ago. I, I, either they haven't figured me out yet or they think I'm doing okay. So, yeah. So, well, uh, one of the things I just want to let our readers know, and this is our, our readers, our listeners know is, uh, and this is on the website for benedictine.edu. It's pretty cool. Since 2004, the college has seen unprecedented growth. It went from 1,000 to 2,000 students, and I bet you that's going to be even higher. Yeah. Um, and and recognizes one of the top schools in the country. Uh, and look, I, I don't want to sort of make fun of U.S. News and World Report or the, any of the secular sites out there, but I always take that with a grain of salt. But the fact that they're recognizing Benedictine anyway is pretty huge. Um, mm -hmm. And... Uh, from a Catholic standpoint, the things that you guys are doing, it's just, it's just marvelous. And we need more. We need more rigorous institutions like Benedictine. So can you tell us a little bit about your offerings about and, and sort of what, what you guys focus on academically? Sure. Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, you know, to kind of this litany of success, you know, in the last 15 years, our enrollment's doubled. We've built 14 new residence halls and six new academic buildings and a new dining hall, new student recreation center. We've either built new or renovated every dorm room, every classroom, and every athletic facility on our campus. Uh, one of the things that we pride ourselves on is that we, we, uh, we want to kind of be a, uh, a normal school. So we have full complement of sports. We have football and lacrosse and you know, soccer, basketball, baseball, softball, track, you know, a full complement of sports. And that's really uh, cr creates a real sense of spirit on our campus. Uh, academically, uh, we uh, have some pretty unique offerings for a small liberal arts college, uh, Catholic college, especially where uh, there's only four. We have uh, four ABED accredited engineering programs. We have architecture, a classical architecture program. There's only four school uh, Catholic schools in the United States that has both engineering and architecture, right? Catholic U, Detroit Mercy, Notre Dame, and Benedictine College. And so, um, and uh, our sciences are very, very strong. And that really has uh, allowed us to partner with a with an, an organization to bring a medic, we hope a medical school to Benedictine College. And I think it's the strength of our science programs and the strength of our just an entire liberal arts academic programs that have, have allowed us to do that. So a lot of great things happening. We've been really blessed. Um, so, and I'll tell you, you know, people ask me all the time, okay, why, what's going on, right? You know, what, why all this success and why now? And, and our answer is pretty simple. We turned to two things. One, we embraced our mother and we, uh, second thing, we embraced our mission. So we consecrated the college to the blessed Virgin Mary 10 years ago, uh, we decided we were going to put the entire college in her hands. Uh, since that time, great things have really, really happened here. And so embracing our mother has been, uh, you know, a tremendous uh, blessing to us. Second thing, we embraced our mission, our mission to, as a Catholic Benedictine liberal arts residential college, 
Uh, our mission is to educate our students within a community of faith and scholarship. And so uh, taking community and faith, scholarship, integrating all three of those things and everything that we do is really critical. Our success and unique in the marketplace. Nobody's doing quite the way we're doing. Plus, we really think it's the best way to educate young people. You're listening to a special edition of Truth Culture Life on Catholic Spirit Radio. We'll be right back with the rest of our interview with President Menace of Benedictine College. Help seniors remain independent. Faith in Action is a nonprofit providing transportation for people over 60 to medical appointments and grocery stores. Become a Faith in Action driver in the extended Bloomington Normal Area, 309-827-7780. I was debating an atheist online who said, Chris, you believing in God is like a kid coming down on Christmas morning, seeing presents under his tree, and saying, oh look, presents, there must be a Santa. I replied, really? Because you not believing in God is like a kid coming down on Christmas morning, seeing presents under his tree and saying, oh look, presents, they must have exploded themselves here. (laughs) No child has ever been that crazy. Now a kid might get the identity of the gift giver wrong, but when he sees presents under the tree, he knows they didn't put themselves there. Likewise, everything made of matter has a source or an origin outside of itself, from your chair to your morning coffee to you. Have you ever stopped to consider that the universe is something made of matter? It had to come from something outside of itself that had the power to create a universe. The Big Bang did not Big Bang itself. There is a God. This is Chris Stefanik from reallifecatholic.com. Hey, this is Father Mitch Pacwa, host of Open Line Wednesday. For me, Catholic Radio is a chance to speak and hear our Catholic doctrine, consider it, think about it, apply it to everyday life, and be blatantly in the public with it. And I am so thankful to you for being an important part of the Lord's plan. By participating and listening, invite others to listen and hear Open Line. Catholic Spirit Radio wishes Happy Father's Day to all of our listeners who are fathers, godfathers, grandpas, and uncles. We appreciate your love and your positive example. it's the best way to educate young people. I'm very impressed, you know, certainly with uh, your offering and just the fact that you're talking about even beginning a medical school. It's just, it's just fantastic. And the great success that Benedictine has had. Uh, could I ask you, call the college Benedictine and uh, are you uh, focusing in on a Benedictine spirituality there? How does the spirituality uh, permeate your offerings on campus? That's great. Our campus is, uh, well, uh, the, the Abbey, St. Benedict's Abbey, founded in 18, uh, 1856, uh, is on the campus. Uh, it's at the top of the campus. In fact, one of the things we do, all the buildings we built, not one building is taller than the bell tower with the, cru- uh, the cross at the very top. And so every building is subservient to, uh, to the Abbey. And we have monks walking around. We have monks working at the college, teaching here. Uh, we also have Benedictine sisters teaching here as well. But it's the monks just because of the closeness 
physical closeness to the college has really had an impact. Um, everything, we, all our values and all of our characteristics come from the rule of St. Benedict, the oldest organizational constitution in the world, okay, 1,500 years old, and there's a lot of things that, that come from that. Probably the, the thing that probably st- stands out the most is in the rule uh, is this, what we call the humility of hospitality. The Benedictines are probably known for hospitality as much as, as anything. And uh, you probably saw that with the sisters in Gower, their Benedictine sisters. And so uh, in the rule, St. Benedict writes, it's so powerful. He writes that every guest should be greeted as if they're Jesus Christ themselves. Every guest should be greeted as if they're Christ. And so we challenge our students to live by that all the time. Every person should be greeted as Christ. And so that means uh, we tell the kids, our students, hey, look, and if you're walking down the sidewalk and Jesus was walking towards you, wouldn't you take your earbuds out of your ears and stop texting and have a conversation with them? Of course you would. So uh, we try, we pride ourselves on trying to you know, have our students be as hospitable as possible to anybody, to each other, and any guest on campus. That's, so, that's fantastic. That rule of Benedict, I've experienced it myself, uh, where I was welcomed well, to Benedictine Monastery after having walked out of another retreat house because uh, of some of the offerings. And I went to the door and I told the, uh, the monk, I said, could I stay here? I just left such and such a place because he said, come on in. <laughs> they, <laughs> Yeah, be like a king. <laughs> well, every almost every Benedictine abbey uh, has a guest house, and the reason for that is because exactly, if every guest is to be treated as Christ, if Jesus knocked on the door and said, "Hey, can I stay here?" Uh, what would you do? <laughs> well, of course, right? You know, so uh, that's really a, that's a great story, Father. I was like one very mad Jesus when I knocked at that door, <laughs> but they calmed me down. They were great. Yeah, you know that explains uh, the hospitality that your team showed my my group in Gower. I mean, you guys were there for the sisters, but I was badgering. You had some guys come out. I was like, "Look, we're going to need this. We're going to need that." And they're like, "Whoa, whoa!" You know, uh, we're not even sure who you are. And and uh, but they were so hospitable, and they you know they just they're like, "We don't know if we can leave you with equipment and do different things." And and they did though. It was it was just amazing how. You, your your team went out and all the pilgrims that were coming, your right. team bought tents and chairs and water and uh, even the PA system. And we had to run this like they had to connect like three or four different microphone cords because the sisters out there don't have an audio system. It's all right. right? And so we, we had to they had to rig up this system from inside the church going down the stairs, through the basement, out to the grass. It was, it was unbelievable, but they figured it out. And they did so for one reason, so that the people waiting in line for hours in some cases would have beautiful music to listen to so that they could hear the mass. And so your team did that. And uh, that hospitality, what I'm saying, is, was very apparent. Yeah. Oh, even, good. Well, thanks. Even with your staff. So kudos to them. <laughs> Yeah, well, thank you. Appreciate that. No, that's great. Um, so, okay, what's next, uh, President Menace? What is next on the horizon? Any big, uh, big projects or things happening in the fall or, or next next year with the school? Sure. Well, uh, probably I'll start with we've we've been around for 165 years, and and you know, of course, you do these strategic plans. Every strategic plan 
up until recently has always been, what can we do to make ourselves better, right? You know, build one of the great Catholic colleges in America. What can we do? And then finally, uh, we had a very successful strategic plan that was ended in 2020 called Benedict in 2020. We started asking ourselves, okay, is there anything that we can do? How can we be a force for good in the country? How can we think about others as opposed to just thinking about ourselves? And it became pretty clear in our, in, in our meetings that people are very concerned about the culture. The culture bring, you know, today's culture brings about loneliness and hopelessness and faithlessness, the truthlessness. And, and so uh, it became very, very clear to all the people we brought from all around the country, we, that the culture is broken and we should, do, we, we should be thinking about doing something about it. And we, and so now our plan is to transform culture in America. And, and we have the answer, you know, the answer is we're going to transform the culture through our mission of community, faith and scholarship in an age of loneliness and polarization. Community is the answer, right? In an age of hopelessness and incivility, well, faith is the key. And in a no truth era where we seem to be information rich, but analysis poor, well, scholarship uh, is is the answer there. So if we can form our young people and form others in community, faith, and scholarship, and send them out to the parishes and to the communities and to the workforce, uh, then we believe our students, uh, our, our alums, and others that are willing to embrace community, faith, and scholarship can transform the culture and transform it to good for good. And so that's kind of what we're working on. There's other things where we're, we're going to build a new library, and that's going to be an amazing thing. It's going to be, have a uh, look like Independence Hall in, in Philadelphia. And in that library is going to be a replica of the assembly room where they wrote the declaration, they wrote the constitution. We're concerned about the culture. We're concerned about higher education. Most schools around the country are teaching anti-American history, uh, but we love our country and we believe the last best hope on earth should be celebrated. And so we wanted to have a, uh, uh, you know, an image on our campus so we can bring in grade schoolers and high schoolers and teach them about the greatness of this country and how it was founded and why it's so special. And so that's why we're doing that. And that's that starts this uh, this fall. Yeah, Don't I, go ahead, college all over again. You're making me say to myself, <laughs> wow, that's where I belong. Holy moly. <laughs> put you, we're going to put you on the spot here for a moment, but sure. and edit if you don't want it. All right. We have a lot of Catholic uh, colleges and universities. I mean, I don't know how many really are anymore. I, you know, I, I went to a certain uh, uh, university uh, that claims to be Catholic. And uh, I just received in the mail a, a, a beautiful uh, advertisement saying that uh, we are now LGBTQ friendly. I mean, they'll never get another nickel out of me. I mean, come on. I mean, what about, you know, Jesus and the church? You know, my my opinion on on uh, all of these things that are happening and everyone expects everyone to be flying uh, rainbow flags and, and things like that during this month. And and uh, we from the very beginning, we've taken, a, a I think, a. A, an approach that's that's sound, and that is that um, our job we're called to to love one another, and our job in, in any time you have uh, 
people who feel less important, it's because that there's a violation of Jesus's gospel message of love, right? We're all created in the dignity, uh, uh, or I mean, in the image and likeness of God. And, and that as, as St. Benedict says, every guest should be greeted as Christ. If you live a life like that, then you don't have to go out of your way to, to, to do these things. Right. Um, but you know, uh, our job is what, uh, if you're going to say, we believe in truth and advertising. If we're going to tell our students and we're going to tell our families that we're a Catholic college, then we're going to, we're going to abide by the magisterium of the, of the Roman Catholic church. Uh, this is, we kind of put this in the duh category, right? You know, <laughs> we're going to do what, what uh, the church has asked us to do. You know, uh, a while back, Excordia Ecclesiae was uh, penned by John Paul II. And um, in that, in the norms set forth by the bishops, they, they set forth what a Catholic university should be like. This is our blueprint. This is the one we follow, okay? And, um, and we just kind of think uh, this is the, the way to go. I'll give you a great example. So in that, in the norms, it says that if you're a Catholic teaching theology at a Catholic college and teaching the tenets of the faith, then you should sign a mandatum with your local bishop saying that you'll teach consistent with the teachings of the, of the Roman Catholic Church. Uh, and, and like I said, we put, kind of put this in the duh category, right? So, of course, we do that. But there's probably a handful of schools, Catholic schools in America out of 250 that actually require their theology professors to sign a mandatum. It's, it's unbelievable to me, right? In my opinion, I don't have the exact numbers. They would be a handful. Yeah. It, we don't even hear about the mandatum anymore. Yeah. And unfortunately... Our schools have lost their Catholic identity. Tremendous amount of confusion. Tremendous. Well, that's the uh, the light and the darkness, and I think that's uh, that's why I was so drawn to um, to do an interview with you, uh, President Menace, because of what I've recognized coming out of Benedictine. Like I said, I just had a niece graduate from there. I had no idea. Another fellow that you and I were talking about offline, and, and we've been the prayer groups together. He's He's a big shot attorney for a major corporation now overseas. It makes perfect sense to me that you said his name. I was like, holy cow, I know I know him. And yeah. uh, of course, of course, he's a graduate of Benedictine College. It makes perfect sense. He's academically astute. He's smart. He's wise. And he's faithful. Uh, and yeah. he's a hard worker. And those are the that's the same sort of characteristics. Characteristics, uh, characteristics. I can't talk that I recognize in my niece as well, uh, having just graduated from from your school. So I think there's something to that. That authentic Catholic tradition, the magisterium, uh, the social teachings. It, ins- it 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 calls us to be better, and it's you know drives us to be better. So uh, thank you for being that that light in the darkness. And I really hope. Um, I will be following this because I've got six kids. Uh, I'm going to be very, very careful where they, where I, I allow them to go, and I'm going to be picky uh, if they ask my advice on it. Anyway, um, well, send me, send me your address. I'll send them the the applications. We're, we're ready to go. We'd, really, we'd love to have them. Well, send, send about uh, you know four or five more applications because I don't think he's finished yet. 
Well, yeah, that's we're, right. <laughs> we're good Catholics doing our job uh, to repopulate the world. Yeah, we've got uh, six here, uh, three three in heaven, uh, so nine total. But my oldest is only nine, so you've got a few years before she applies. Yeah, right. <laughs> I really enjoyed this conversation with you. I've always been impressed with the curriculum and the uh, the spirituality uh, at at Benedictine, and uh, I hope that you'll franchise out. We certainly need more institutions like you. <laughs> Well, thanks. I appreciate that. All right. Doc, uh, President Menace, thank you so much. We'll be sure to encourage people to visit benedictine.edu. We'll have a link on the website and uh, on the podcast as well. And then any parents out there, if you've got uh, high schoolers or even, uh, you know, eighth graders or so, you know, getting into high school, thinking about starting to think about college, you know, order them a brochure. Just really funny story before I let you go. We're over time a little bit, but that's okay. I When I received information for the law school I went to, it wasn't because and I went to Ave Maria School of Law, but that's where I met Father Orsi. It wasn't because I sought it out. Um, I got information in the mail and I thought like, oh, they, they must know about me somehow. It turns out my mother had requested information on my behalf. I right? love that. Right? Yeah. So for any moms out there listening uh, and you're worried about what uh, college your, your students will go to, you know, request information and have Benedictine send it to them. Yeah. Well, I tell, I tell parents all the time, do you want your grandkids to be Catholic? If you want your grandkids to be Catholic, then you have to send uh, you have to send your your sons and daughters to a faithful Catholic college like Benedictine College, so they'll keep their faith in college and they'll raise their children Catholic. Uh, mm. uh, I'll tell you what, it's real. It's getting really scary out there. It is. And, yeah. No, there was just a post, and again, we're over time, but there was just a post on social media where a, a beautiful young girl uh, looks just so lovely and normal. And then uh, somebody posted a picture of her three years later and she's got all these piercings and purple hair and a shave, you know, shave sides and just totally different person. But it's the same beautiful little girl. And what happened to her? Three years of indoctrination, of godlessness, of upside down. And Father Orsi and I talked about this last week. The devil can't create anything new, but he does have the power to turn things upside down and to distort and distract and confuse Um and so, anyway, I'll give you the final word, uh, President Menace. Thank you again so much for joining us. Good. Thank you. 80% of the young people that go to college have an active faith life, but by the time they graduate, that number is reduced to 18%. And so, if you're not, if you're not uh, paying attention to that as a parent, uh, then uh, your, your uh, son or daughter is going to be one of those that fall, fall away from the church. So, we ha- it's our job to uh, make sure that doesn't happen at Benedict. And and I know other schools feel the same way. That's great. Thank you so much. All right, we're going to go to our break. You're listening to Truth Culture Life, and we'll be right back. Help seniors remain independent. Faith in Action is a nonprofit providing transportation for people over 60 to medical appointments and grocery stores. Become a Faith in Action driver in the extended Bloomington Normal area, 309-827-7780. I was debating an atheist online who said, Chris, you believing in God is like a kid coming down on Christmas morning, seeing presents under his tree, and saying, oh look, presents, there must be a Santa. I replied, really? Because you not believing in God is like a kid coming down on Christmas morning, seeing presents under his tree, and saying, oh look, presents, they must have exploded themselves here. (laughs) No child has ever been that crazy. Now a kid might get the identity of the gift giver wrong, but when he sees presents under the tree, he knows they didn't put themselves there. Likewise, everything made of matter has a source or an origin outside of itself, from your chair to your morning coffee to you. 
Have you ever stopped to consider that the universe is something made of matter? It had to come from something outside of itself that had the power to create a universe. The Big Bang did not Big Bang itself. There is a God. This is Chris Stefanik from reallifecatholic.com. Hey, this is Father Mitch Pacwa, host of Open Line Wednesday. For me, Catholic Radio is a chance to speak and hear our Catholic doctrine, consider it, think about it, apply it to everyday life, and be blatantly in the public with it. And I am so thankful to you for being an important part of the Lord's plan. By participating and listening, invite others to listen and hear Open Line Catholic Spirit Radio wishes Happy Father's Day to all of our listeners who are fathers, godfathers, grandpas, and uncles. We appreciate your love and your positive example. listening to Truth Culture Life. Up next is an interview I did earlier with Gil Bailey. He has a new book out all about the apocalypse of the sovereign self. So you're going to hear that in just a second. And then next, the very last segment will be a little clip of audio from the upcoming film Incorruptible, which is going to be all about uh, Sister Wilhelmina and the legacy that she left with the Benedictines of Mary, Queen of the Apostles. So stay tuned to Truth Culture Life. I am joined today by a very, very special guest, Gil Bailey, who is an author of, I think, at least two books. Um, He's also the founder of the Cornerstone Forum, The Apocalypse of the Sovereign Self. I mean, that is a super cool title. And in your synopsis, uh, it describes a collection of stories, fictional and factual, highlighting two themes, the autonomous self now in a profound crisis, and the person whose Christian sources and contours have too long been overlooked. And it goes on to describe the ongoing cultural and confessional evisceration of Christianity all too graphically proves the validity of Christ's warning. Apart from me, you can do nothing. John fifteen five. Uh, for these words were addressed to the first Christians, and now they apply not only to Christians, but also to those who ex- uh, exposure to Christ has been merely cultural. Look, I mean, at the end of the day, um, I I can't tell you how many people I encounter who are just simply not even exposed to Christ anymore. Um, what are the cultural? What is the cultural crisis or um, the cultural challenges that we're facing today as a people and as a nation? If you can try to answer that. Well, it's quite obvious that. We have lost any grounding in, in human anthropology. In other words, we don't know who we are. We, the idea of the self is so, it has become so tenuous. Uh, and the self, people think the word self is a synonym for person. It's not at all. Uh, so we, we, now, we now focus on the self. And the self is a is is a mere ghost of its of of what a person is is called to be, and so we the the easiest way and I've 
this is how I've been doing it, is the easiest way is to think about how we're made. How are we made? And I'm, I, this is not in the book, but uh, it, I, I think of Psalm 139. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And, and so how, are we, how is it that we're wonderfully made and fearfully made? Now, these, this is just my interpretation. But I would say this. If we're wonderfully made, uh, if, if we honor our, how we're made, it's, it's a wonderful thing. If, if we betray it, it's soul crushing. And we're betraying it because we don't, we, we don't understand its depth and its religious foundation. All right, let me ask you so, this, Gil. Hold, hold, hold on. I don't want to cut you off, but just in the interest of time. So look, if you're with, with the apocalypse of sovereign self, and by the way, that book is out now. Is that correct? Yes. And is that your newest book or do you have something else coming out soon? That's, no, 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 that's that's just out. Okay. And uh and that's available um online. Uh yeah, and so we'll sure. post a link online for it. So look, who are you hoping to reach? Like what is in your opinion the best outcome in terms of the impact your book could have? Who are you, you know, speaking to? Well, the book divides along the lines of its title and subtitle. The first half of the book is the apocalypse of the sovereign self. And I take, this didn't happen overnight. It didn't start with the transgender movement or with the 60s. It began centuries ago. And so I go back and I take, a, a, I have a number of chapters that just uh, bring people up to speed on how this came about, how this this marginalization of the Christian foundation of our civilization gradually occurred. And that's the first part of the book. And uh, the, the second part of the book is where I talk about how we recover the mystery of personhood. The quickest way to think about that is to think about, is to compare two one statement would go with the first part of the book, which is an analysis of how this happened. And that would be Justice Kennedy's statement in the 1992 Planned Parenthood versus Casey, the famous statement. He said, at the heart of liberty is the right to define one's own concept of existence, of meaning, of the universe, and of the mystery of life. Now, that's madness. That means you can just make it up. You can just decide for yourself what's real and what's not real, what's who you are, how the world works, and so on and so forth. That's, that is the apocalypse of the sovereign self. And, that, that and that's so, Gil, that's so apparent, obviously, in our culture now. I mean, I have interaction with people all the time that I post, you know, reflections about the pro-life movement or reflections about, the image and likeness of God, God made a man and a woman. And I get these replies saying, well, not everybody's has the same belief as you. Not everybody, you know, is a, they don't, not everybody's Catholic or not everybody's even Christian. Not everybody believes these things. And um, it's interesting. I, I've heard, heard it before stated differently. It's like, well, yeah, and you can believe whatever you want. I guess you can believe that, you know, the sky is down instead of up. It doesn't mean you're right. Um, and so sort of the, uh, 
uh, I don't know, the, the false notions of, uh, of truth. I mean, tr- you know, Punch's pilot said it perfectly, right? What is truth? And uh, I think to your point, the apocalypse of self, basically we've got this, uh, this redefinition of everything. Um, and, and not to get too theological, I've said this before on this program, Truth Culture Life, a couple of times, and Father Orsi, who's not here today, has said it too. Um, you know, the devil doesn't have the power to create anything new, but the devil does have the power to turn good things upside down. Um, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Is that what we're, are what, are what we deal, are, are we dealing with like a spiritual th- uh, battle or is it something beyond that in your opinion? It's a spiritual battle, but if, uh, I have to juxtapose something to Justice Kennedy's uh, nonsense, and that is uh, St. Paul. He said, I live, now no longer I, but Christ lives in me. Justice Kennedy's concept is what I analyze the first half of the book. The second half of the book, I analyze what Paul meant when he said, I live, now not, no longer I, but Christ lives in me. That Paul is talking about the key to interiority. We people today are lost. They haven't. They do not have interiority. Interiority requires a relationship. In other words, it requires prayer. Prayer is the key to interiority. So we can talk about self and person and this and that and the other. Question is, do we have genuine interiority? And and by the way, I don't overdo this in the book. I hardly mention it. But this is the key. This is what the second half of the book is about. Uh, uh, the the person is one who is grounded in another. I live now no longer I, but Christ lives in me. That is the key to personhood. And what comes with that is the experience of interiority. And the experience of interiority is a relational experience. In other words, it's an experience of prayer. And this is the mystery that Christians have, have, uh, have been given. It, they're, they're the custodians of this mystery. They, we are the custodians of this mystery. And it has been largely unexplored uh, un, uh, because it was a palpable experience. Let me ask but you this. Now, uh, uh, hold on. So, so Gil, I mean, obviously with um, the custodians of it and largely the custodians of truth, right? I love the very simple passage. They will know us by our love. And um, so much of the time, I mean, in this dark, dark world where the sovereign self has been redefined, uh, the the temple, so to speak, that the the Holy Spirit dwells in has been, I mean, completely forgotten in many instances. You've got all sorts of just crazy things going on with children, and and it's like it's it, you're you're a bad person if you speak out against it. If you say, "Hey, I don't think." Um, some of these controversial things should be occurring in libraries with children, for example. You get you get lambasted. You have a sitting justice, Justice Jackson, who at her confirmation hearing was unable to answer. She said, I'm not qualified when asked what is the definition of a woman. She's a justice on the Supreme Court. 
she can't answer what you know defi- yeah of course she knows the answer but she couldn't because of her ideological uh, commitment but this is the outworking of justice kennedy's a particular piece of nonsense everybody gets to make it up on their own this is this is a recipe for total total confusion and it's uh, it, uh, christians have the the wherewithal and the and the moral obligation uh, to resist that, not just in terms of its moral nonsense, but also to offer the world a, a, a the, the real alternative to that egoism, which is which is so vacuous and unsatisfying, and it's so unsatisfying that people eventually turn to some kind of ideological uh, crusade that will, uh, maybe not the right choice of word, but ideological movement that will allow them to unleash on the world the resentment that has been built up because of the frustrations that, that, that arise from a life that has no interior experience of prayer wow that that is so a, you, no that is beautiful just just even if you just ended it right there i didn't mean to cut you off but wow uh, that last statement was um was huge and and i have to agree with you it's interesting gil um i i know people and you know we're sort of on friendly terms because we have to be you know people in our neighborhood or whatever who are just think so differently and it's interesting looking at sort of some of this this culture war i guess you could say it's not really a culture war it's a spiritual war it's a it's a yes. right and there's this one side of the struggle is prayerful um contemplative in many instances and and whether they're wealthy or in a state of poverty or whether they're healthy or sick there's a there's a um spirit of peace that you can see within them this sort of happiness that is just uh, you know it's unshakable exactly. but on the other side exactly. it's like misery and depression and anxiety and the pe- people are just sad and they're so lost and it's and they don't understand why you're absolutely right and that's the key we we those of us nobody deserves to be a, a Christian or a Catholic. We're all sinners. And those of us who have that blessing are obliged to try to manifest it in such a way that others will find it attractive. It, it, we, can't, we can't argue them in most, in most cases. They didn't, they didn't arrive at their opinions uh, intellectually, uh, they they derived them, they they inha- they inhaled them in the air of the culture. So they they ha- it's not like they've thought these things through. So you can't talk somebody out of something that they didn't uh, they they didn't arrive at by intellectual processes. But you can you can exhibit to the world. In whatever way you're doing it on on radio, I'm doing it writing, uh, and and also in our personal lives, 
to exhibit to others a, a peace and a, and a joy and a sense of being, being a disciple. Uh, it, uh, to, be, to recognize that we've been given a tremendous gift that we don't deserve. And our job is to make that gift palpable and interesting to others for their sake. You know, Gil, I, well, no, Gil, just, just, I mean, just brilliant. Um, I have to just say, and, and we're getting, we're basically out of time here, but just to, to wrap it up, it, you, you've got such a great point and I've never thought about it before in the phrase, in, in the way that you've presented it, you know, in terms of not being able to argue intellectually with somebody who arrived at their opinion or ideology, not based on intellect, but really, and you said culture, but it's, it's, it's environment. Right. I and mean, how many kids are growing up in homes that don't pray and homes that, you know, have, you know, I don't, I don't want to say it, but have pride flags and, you know, and and they're, they're, they're so they're so engulfed in the culture and in the war uh, or in the world. Rather, they're not thinking about the spirit. They're not thinking about theology. They're not thinking about Jesus uh, or any form of church. Maybe they talk about it in passing. And so the result is a, um, a generation of kids, and there's multiple generations now, that you said, you said it so well. And again, in a way, I've literally never thought about it before in terms of intellect. They didn't arrive at their ideology based on intellectual arguments. They arrived based on the environment and culture. And so, so many of the times, Gil, it's, um, it's easy, and I've, I've done this before, where it's, it's easy to sort of get sucked into a, a debate on social media, for example, you know, posting things on people's sure. timelines and getting into these arguments and arguing your, your theological position, and you just end up realizing you're just talking over each other because um, <laughs> there's something bigger. There, it's bigger than, than just the intellectual argument. I, I think that's such a profound point that you've yeah. made there. Well, we have all the resources that we, we those of us who are blessed to be Catholics have the resources not only for our own uh, spiritual and moral uh, lives, but also the resources for being uh, bearing witness uh, to the mystery that uh, we've been given, that, we're, that we don't deserve to have it any more than, than uh, the people who don't have it. But we have it by the by the grace of God, we have it in our our obligation is to do what we can to make make it accessible to others, which is which is why you're doing your radio program and it's why I'm writing books. Uh, that's great. Uh, you're listening to Truth Culture Life. We've got a very special guest, Gil Bailey, uh, who um, has a new book just out, The Apocalypse of the Sovereign Self. And um and that's available on Amazon. It's available through Barnes and Noble. And uh, yeah, Gil, this is wonderful. We really want to thank you for your time and for joining us today on Truth Culture Life. Thank you so much for having me. All right. I've made you wait long enough. Thank you for listening to Truth Culture Life. Here is an exclusive sneak peek of a little audio clip from the upcoming film Incorruptible. You can learn more about this movie at incorruptiblemovie.com. By now, you've heard the incredible news. Could it be? 
and incorruptible in Gower, Missouri? I don't know why I was so emotional, but I was. Literally the middle of nowhere, okay? And people were coming from all over the country to see this, to be with her, to touch her, to ask her for her intercessions. Uh, it's pretty powerful. The grace of incorruptibility is certainly incredible. But also incredible is Sister Wilhelmina's life and legacy. She knew at a young age that she wanted to become a nun. Dear Mother Superior, I am a girl, 13 years old, and I would like to become a nun. Examining Sister Wilhelmina's life, it's no surprise that she just might be an incorruptible. I hope that you'll be sure to follow the journey. We'll be reporting periodically via YouTube and updating our subscribers at incorruptiblemovie.com. Thank you so much for tuning in to this little sneak peek of our film. All right, you just heard a little clip, and actually those are several clips from the very pre-production of the film that we're working on called Incorruptible. And I am working directly with the Benedictines of Mary, uh, Queen of the Apostles in Gower, Missouri, and I cannot wait to bring you this film. So pray for the success of this movie. There are a lot of parts involved, and there's a lot of things that need to happen for us to tell the story right. But we're asking for Sister Wilhelmina's intercession. I've also been asking for the intercession of St. Um, Joseph, as well as the venerable Fulton Sheen. So join us at incorruptiblemovie.com. You're listening to Truth, Culture, Life on Catholic Spirit Radio.